0: But savings as in placing most of your money in a quote-unquote safe FDIC Mm -hmm. insured account isn't going to do it for you, Mm -hmm. right? That's the thing where I'm like, you can save and you should save. Like I saved for a down payment, like that's That's fine, but know what you're saving for, but you're not saving to build wealth is a nuance there.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you wanna become a full-time, multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Right, hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited today. We have another amazing guest, Miss Arapia Di Erico. Hopefully, I pronounced your last name correctly, <laughs> Miss Arapia. Thank you for joining our show. How's it going?
0: Oh, thanks, Abel. I'm doing fabulous. Thank you for asking, and thanks so much for having me on the show.
1: I'm super appreciative. I'm humbled. I'm blessed. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Since I've met you, I have heard you speak on a number of occasions. And every time I'm more enlightened, I'm a little more educated, and I come away walking away feeling good about uh, being in your network. So, And how do you pronounce your last name correctly?
0: It's Derico.
1: Derico. Okay. Yeah.
0: The apostrophe always throws people.
1: Miss <laughs> <laughs> Adapia Derico. So I'm excited. She's a published author, as well as one of those early crowdfunding people that That kicked off crowdfunding early in their careers back in 2013. So Mm -hmm. she is an amazing. Individual And for those that are in a spot to take some notes, grab your pen and a piece of paper because it'll be a good one. I'll introduce her first and then I'll hand it over. So Adapia is the principal and I am the VP of strategy at Alpha Investing. That's what she does today. But they are a real estate private equity firm and they really work in our space, multifamily, commercial real estate, senior housing. They do affordable housing, commercial real estate opportunities. And she works with a network of capital investors. And that's really what the private equity firm is. And in fintech, she was also a fintech entrepreneur, real estate investment executive, and she was known for her role in launching that crowdfunding industry to the mainstream. So, one of maybe two or so women, early crowdfunding people that helped evangelize this stuff and got it out there in the market. So, some of what we are seeing today is because of the hard work that she put in back then. And so, we want to really just say thank you for joining, and you've got an amazing background. Let me Let me turn it over to you for a proper introduction. Tell us who you are and what you do. And in your own words, we'll start a great conversation here.
0: Sure. Yeah, thank you. I guess we can probably start with how I got into crowdfunding. I think a lot of, well, I know that my career is zigzag, you know, that whole idea of like your one very linear career. I'm pretty sure that's out the door for most people these days. But, you know, to age myself when I was coming out of high school in the late 90s, you know, there's this idea of like a really clear linear path. And I actually went straight into finance. Like I started working in a bank when I was 19 and it was the beginning of like the mutual fund industry and people getting into it and retail capital. And so this idea of access to investments, to wealth building has always been primary for me. And I've always found it really fascinating and important to, for everyone to actually build wealth. You know, this idea that time is money can only get us so far or, you know, I really don't believe that saving builds wealth. You have to invest it. And there's these mechanisms to do it. Now, nobody told me about real estate in my twenties when I was doing my CFP and I have my securities courses and I have mutual funds. Like this is not what you learn. And that's fine. Cause I learned it on my own. I think most people, unless you're lucky enough to, or, you know, you're researched enough to go and do an MRED, you know, like a master's in real estate development. Like it just doesn't really factor for a lot of people. So we're all on entrepreneurs in the space. And so when I got into real estate crowdfunding in late 2013, I was living in LA at the time and I got into Silicon beach out here. And I was actually working with a whole different clientele actually on Kickstarter and crowdfunding. Cause at that time in my career, I had sort of pivoted into a lot of entrepreneurial ventures in the consumer products and entertainment spaces. And I was like very early in social media as well. And so when I heard about the jobs act, When I heard that essentially the way I interpreted the JOBS Act is I can turn fans into shareholders, it was like my two worlds collided. And I thought, this is fantastic. I mean, that's perfect. That's exactly what we should be doing, isn't just here's a t shirt and a book, or here's a t shirt and a movie. It's like, here's a share in my company. And so that's what really got me into it. And I was doing more research, and real estate came up. And there was something about it. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit more. But I'm like really intuitive and something just clicked. I went, wait a second, real estate and crowdfunding feels like, This is going to be something really big. And in fact... Real estate in the crowdfunding space was the number one fastest growing segment of crowdfunding mm, mm. that was able to use the Jobs Act. Why? Yeah. Because most people in real estate were already syndicating, they were already using private placement rule 506B. And so it really took off really quickly. And I was part of it. I was part of one of the very first platforms. It's a hard money lending platform called Patch of Land. I came on as employee number one, founding team member, you know, crazy person that you know, bought like drank the Kool-Aid. And then I like was all over the country and like all the conferences and doing meetups and you know, the game you're like everywhere meeting everybody and just so excited about the opportunity. And that's what got me into real estate. And to be honest and FinTech at that point too, because it sort of cross references with FinTech is I've never met such amazing, generous, open people as I have in real estate, like truly the community of people in real estate, just like wonderful, wonderful people. And I love the industry because I love the people in it. And so, you know, now I'm in not crowdfunding, but we syndicate. So a lot of things have come full circle with syndication and crowdfunding and private placements, as you know.
1: Yeah. Wow. What an amazing kind of background and run that you've had this far. So (laughs) 2019 in finance, and then this crowdfunding platform kind of launched off what happened in 2012 is what prefaced 2013. If you're not mm-hmm. familiar, you can Google the Jobs Act of 2012. So SEC basically opened up some of these new rules and changes in a number of different avenues. It was the jumpstart of Small Business Act, right? So yeah. basically to say, hey, we want smaller businesses to go out and start investing. And mm-hmm. here are the avenues that you started opening up for probably lack of better words, right? And then in 2013, you were one of the first people that got to go say, hey, I'm actually doing this today. Change last year, we're ready to roll and that's really cool. Yeah. And then all the way through, now back to syndication and <laughs> it's a run for you. So did you start off when you were younger? Like you knew you were gonna be in finance and fintech and raising capital or it just kind of fell out upon you? Were your parents? You know, what yeah. kind of the background? How did that lead? How did that know No,
0: happen? I wanted to be a paleontologist. A
1: paleontologist. <laughs> I
0: love dinosaurs. <laughs> like that, that wow, was like- awesome. I was like such, I was, I want to be a paleontologist and I wanted to be a marine biologist. I just have a personal passion for the earth and for animals and mother nature. And so, (laughs) you know, I'm all about earth justice and just taking care of our planet. And then, you know, honestly, at a certain point, probably around the age of 10, and this is a common thing. I don't know how many people recognize this, but something changed where I made a decision that I needed to do something more practical, like something more worldly. And so I just, You know, a lot of it was around, I would say like pleasing my father, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I'm definitely daddy's girl. And I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer so that he can be proud of me so that I can, you know, one thing I did understand is that because we grew up with not a lot of money, we were middle class and that was not a fun place to be. And so I followed a path that I thought would allow me to not ever have to feel that way or to like, to not ever have to feel the way I saw my parents feel one time at Christmas where they didn't have enough money to get us all of the gifts that we wanted. And oh my God, I'm actually getting emotional. Like it, you know, to see them kind of crying yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like, no, like that's just not how like I want it to be. Um. Yeah. And so something in there drove me. And so when I actually found out about mutual fund investing. This was in high school. I was like, wait a second, this is really interesting to me. And you're allowing, again, it's kind of like the jobs act. You're allowing retail investors into an institutionalized industry. And there's an opportunity here for a lot more people to not feel that way, to potentially build wealth. But you need to be really discerning, which is something I learned in my career. So long story short, I didn't want to be in finance. I mean, I almost failed math 12 until I went into university and did financial math. Math never landed for me. Yeah, But financial math landed Yeah, and I was acing my financial math. And because there's context, right? Like you got to give me context when you're talking about things like finance and, you know, even all these years later, like there's a lot of things in the syndication space on the equity side that it's very complex, like even for somebody that has a background. And so, you know, I'm sure you do the same when you talk to investors. Like I always say, like, I don't expect you to know because I'm still, (laughs) I'm still learning. So ask your questions, which I think is super important because we tend to maybe be in a space of, I want to invest. I'm not really sure. Will they think I'm stupid? Will they think I don't, I'm not good enough. Like it's really important if you're an investor to feel confident to ask those questions. And if you get like snark from the investment provider, I would say walk away, right? Because, you know, your money is valuable and you worked hard for it and there's no such thing as stupid questions. Plus there's like tons of resources online nowadays to, to help you learn. But I think that's like really, really important from an investor's perspective. And I talk a lot to investors About, you know, what the questions are and trying to educate them on something that is very complex. And so, you know, working with the right operator or syndicator is really important to going to that principle of invest in what you know, and you Mm -hmm. can learn it, right? Like, I don't know how you got started in, in real estate, but I can like, you know, I stumbled into it. And so I had to learn and I'm still learning.
1: Yep. I love it. So there's so many things I wrote down here, break into at least a few of them, right? You mentioned earlier savings versus investing early on. And, you know, and just even that, I would say there's probably a lot of us, myself included until, I don't know, recent years for me, it was, I thought saving was investing when I was younger and that saving, you know, my dad told me Hey, you need to save your money. Don't spend all of it. Put some aside, and he, you know, he was one instilled early. You need to tithe some of your money and save some of your money and make sure you have your rainy day fund, is what he called it. And and back then, when I was younger, I thought that was like the path to become wealthy. I didn't realize until later, I think we bought our first house in 2008 and it was like, oh, there's a difference between saving money, <laughs> which I have some cushion, but between uh, that and investing it into something that can actually work on its own, create more, go bring back friends. as what mm-hmm. I heard one of my other friends say. I can send the money out and it brings back some <laughs> friends. And that's investing. And if you don't invest, you always have to work for more money. It's not going to bring you to $10 million just because you can save enough unless you land this crazy million dollar a year job and work there for 10 years. Even that you're probably going to spend pretty crazily. When did that click for you? Was that a younger age or?
0: Um, No, you know, I think even I've been working it like the investing side for a long time, but I actually don't think it really landed for me until maybe like really recently when I realized that in a way I'm very privileged to have the education, like I chose a college forward education in yeah. finance and investing, and it was actually my husband who made me realize it because he doesn't have that education and he doesn't have a fundamental basic education around money. Yeah, which includes debt, which it was so many things. And I just think I'm so grateful I chose to go in that direction because it's allowed me to structure my life in a certain way. But yeah. look, like when I was a kid, I remember going to the, to the ATM with my mom and sticking the little books in the printer. Yeah, And it yeah. would spit out 18% interest. So back then, yeah, right? I mean, I can't even imagine 18% right now. Like you will barely like, you don't hit an 18 IRR these days with yeah. like what's going on out there, but it was the way. And I think what happened is something fundamentally changed through all the financial crises. Yeah. And there's been like this wealth divide, this gap, and it keeps, keeps growing. And so it behooves us to understand the mechanism that's actually functioning in society because it used to be that way. But one day you kind of wake up and you go, something changed because, I mean, let's not even talk about inflation rates today, but something changed where why is a two by six $30 literally Mm -hmm. today? Cause Mm -hmm. I'm trying to build some garden boxes, you know, treated two by four. And it's like, I can't make enough money to like do this and save for retirement. It's like the saving part is important in terms of allocation, right? Like allocating money for certain things, but savings as in placing most of your money in a quote unquote, safe FDIC Mm -hmm. insured account isn't going to do it for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: That's the thing where I'm like, you can save and you should save. Like I saved for a down payment. Like that's That's fine, but know what you're saving for, but you're not saving to build wealth is a nuance there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so your parents or your story with, you know, your parents just tell me similar. So my mother is she's in her seven. And And so is my dad, and they're still working and they're working, you know, hard. Mm And I go, wow, you know, that mindset there was, I see them the same and I, I want my children to be able to not have the same mindset. And I would love to help my mom and dad now. I'm like, oh, let's try to figure out a way to do so. But, you know, they'd love to have known that they finished at 50, you know, 20 years ago and enjoyed these 20. But so they're big motivations for me also. Another thing I heard you say was the not being afraid to ask questions, right? Had we not asked those questions, whether they're be in school, from another investor another group or whatever like unless you actually ask or it's okay to not know the answer then you're never going to learn anything you got to figure out how does money work how does the investing side of it work what is a good rate of return in real estate versus this other what you know ask the questions right and uh once you do that then you'll be able to at least learn and grow and bring some extra education there hello hello you're listening to the five talents podcast I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. If you're enjoying this podcast, then I know you're serious about achieving financial freedom. Are you ready to create your own path through multifamily investing for yourself and your family? Then I know you're gonna appreciate our Investor's Guide to Multifamily Investing. It's titled Tackling Commercial Real Estate The Easy Way. We use this guide to invest ourselves in $93 million worth of real estate. So we're gonna show you the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications, and how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So the best part, if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating. I'm going to give you a free copy of our ebook. So please take a moment to do that now. Once you've done that, go to 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Make sure to let us know you left a review and we're going to send you a free copy. So thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast. We really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the questions are important. I mean, we don't learn if we think we know everything. (laughs) Like like it's kind of logical when you break it down in your own mind, you're like, well, I don't know some things I'm going to learn about it. And I've learned so much from people in the industry. Like I said, like I didn't, I didn't know anything about real estate when I got into real estate crowdfunding. I knew about institutional capital and investing because one of the jobs that I had at some point in my career was I worked for a hedge fund when I lived in Europe and it was a long, short equity fund. And so I understood a lot about institutional capital. And that's also where I learned how much institutional capital drives markets and drives stock prices, which actually drives to some degree. It broke my heart one time when there was a stock that just got pummeled. And because of it, the company needed to cut costs. And how do they cut costs? They cut jobs. And when you're sitting in an office and you're just looking at numbers, you're so far removed from the people that mm-hmm. are actually going to be the ones that are going to get impacted that I realized in that that moment i can't be in this industry because i realized that people were more important to me in a way than money and so maybe i've always been an impact investor at heart and it's why in real estate it's so important we have such a responsibility and an opportunity to actually make people's lives better especially when we're doing acquisitions and, and doing renovations and like rehabilitating communities and neighborhoods and we invest in senior housing so like talk about people business and some of the things that happen in that space with operators who don't care about their residents and so there's so much i learned about myself when i thought i'm gonna go for the money and then when i got to the money my heart broke, and I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't be. Yeah. <laughs> I can't be in this industry. So in real estate, I've just met such wonderful people that, that are like, no, we're going to make this better and we can make money.
1: Yeah, we can make money at the same time. At oh, the yeah. Same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's been really cool. I'm enjoying it and appreciate it and loving it as well. So on all of this discussion, right? So this is super fun to have you in for the conversation, but in one way, shape, form another, tell us about the amounts of capital that you're dealing with today. So people can really start mm. to connect. Well, what do you mean? Is this like a hundred grand, hundred? You know, is it a million? Is it a hundred million? I think more in one way, shape, or form. Can you tell us like what type of amounts and type of transactions you deal with, even in the beginning, mid to now? What sure. are, What are you working on?
0: Sure. Yeah. So it's a great question because Alpha is. I don't know. I think a lot of people through COVID we had a lot of companies had like a big bump. Like it was like a big leapfrog. Like about three years ago, we were gap equity. So we were writing 500 to a million dollar checks, like coming in alongside other institutions. Let's say it purchases that were anywhere, maybe even like the $20 million range. So like smaller purchases. Today, we're writing on average $8 million checks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's like a huge, humongous leap. So we've been able to cultivate trust in our investors through the transactions that we're choosing and we're underwriting and the types of operators that are running those transactions. We're writing, you know, yeah, on average about $8 million checks. So in the real estate we've invested in thus far is worth just north of 1.5 billion. So, you know, we've deployed close to a hundred million dollars in capital of our Mm -hmm. investors' capital, which is a lot. um, Over
1: what period of time?
0: Over five years.
1: Okay. Gotcha. So yeah. $1.5 billion in mm-hmm. real estate. So roughly speaking, mm-hmm. how many tra- transactions do you think that is? Like,
0: Yeah. So we've closed about 46 transactions okay, cool. with North of like 50 properties because sometimes they're yeah. multi-property portfolios. 1,
1: 1. Yeah. 1.5 billion across 45 to 50 plus deals yeah. or whatever that is. And deploying about a hundred million dollars worth of capital. Yeah. Where did you get a hundred million dollars out of people? How does that happen?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, not the ATM. So, um, uh, so not really, from
1: your savings account, not though. from
0: my savings account. Definitely not. We've really cultivated a network of investors. So it really comes from our investors who work hard, who, you know, they're accredited. So, you know, different levels of accredited investors. And they, at some point in their lives and their careers understood and learned about real estate. We have small institutional money. We have some endowments, like some endowments are really interesting too, because they have money that they're using for their philanthropic efforts. And so they deploy it with us for real estate and doctors. We have real estate professionals. I mean, it kind of runs the gamut, no big institutions. So it really is individuals or very, you know, or individuals that have their own charities. And that's where the money comes from. And I remember when the crowdfunding was starting and everybody was talking about accredited investors and really I think the number was there's 11 million of them in the US. So that means people who make 200,000 per year or above, or they have a million dollar net worth or above. And that's like, excludes like your big institutions who have big, big money, but it really comes from individuals who understood that mm-hmm. they want real estate to be part of their portfolio. They want the cash flow. They want the appreciation. They want the tax benefits. Mm-hmm. And they come to us and they're really relying on our discernment, on our underwriting, on how we do what we do, and to deliver those returns to them. And so yeah. it, it just naturally really built. I mean, and you know, to our surprise, almost this year, we're in this position to be writing this level of checks and oversubscribing and people just, they want more, which is a function to me of their understanding of how important real estate is in a portfolio, especially in an inflationary period that we're like going into.
1: Yep. Yeah. I want to land the deals. I want to put our capital in it as quickly as possible. So if inflation as it's occurring, literally before our eyes, right. I want to know that our asset is also appreciating and our money is not lagging behind in a savings account somewhere that's literally losing money. You know, even if you have it there. So Yeah, Yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Wow, that's amazing. And when did Alpha get started?
0: Yeah, so Alpha, the original founder, so I joined in 2018 and the original Mm -hmm. founders, they started, interestingly, the way a lot of, I think, hedge funds started and the hedge fund I was working at with friends and family. They syndicated one deal and then they thought there's something here. and it was in parallel when they got started, was in parallel when I was launching real estate crowdfunding and they never went in that direction. They tried to stay more focused on the real estate because truth be told, in crowdfunding, crowdfunding, especially in the early years, a lot of it was venture-backed and it still is. A lot of the companies that still exist that call themselves crowdfunding, they are venture-backed and that's a very different model than somebody that's privately funded or self-funded like we are. So you get all this money and you're like, here's millions of dollars, go get as many people as possible, go do all this marketing, go do all these deals. And I think in the beginning, to some degree, some of the real estate component wasn't as much of a focus. It was more of you getting deals, building, 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 scaling, scaling, scaling. And as you know, it's hard to scale on quality. You can scale on quantity, but you can't really scale on quality. And I've seen a lot of these firms really turn it around. And the ones that still exist today that are successful, it's because they realize or they made a decision that they need to be real estate first. Because mm-hmm. I really believe in the crowdfunding companies and we're a little bit different than they are. But fundamentally, you need to know your real estate. You can't just be out for volume because you're not going to do right by your investor Yeah, because what's your risk adjusted return? That's a dangerous place to be. And so some people jumped in early and, you know, they failed early because they weren't going for real estate. They were going for an exit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. The, having the right deal in the right market with the right team operating it with the right assumptions and, you know, being conservative at the right time in the right, you know, place and making sure that we can capitalize and then obviously paying the right price. So what I realized, you know, I don't know if it was this year when recently for us, but I go, wow, the normal everyday average investor that may have a chunk of change that wants to buy. An apartment complex, for one example, they really just don't see the opportunities that a well-experienced team or operating team is going to see because it's a largely broker- traded asset class. And so when the brokers don't know you or don't trust you, they're probably not going to send you the quote unquote, the Glenn Gary leads, right? The good ones. And, you know, they may not see just the kind of type of deals that, you know, a really good team. And then, you know, being able to see like, oh, okay, the good team can say that one's not a good one. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're not going to pay this price. A good team will say, oh, this is a great deal in the right market. And, yeah. you know, seller was realistic in their expectations and we bought it, you know? and so, Yeah. It's amazing. So
0: yeah, I'm glad you bring it up because the other piece to that too. So like if you even get off market deals anymore these days, but like having a good relationship with your broker, so you might get something off market, which is a great benefit. And also when you're an experienced team, you're working with lender that has your back mm-hmm. because if you're a first time, like you're saying, like somebody who's like, if I wanted to go out and buy a multi family apartment right now, I'm not going to get a great rate, Yeah. but you are because yeah. <laughs> you have the track record and you have the experience and you need that lender to be on your side when things go sideways, when, you know, it didn't exactly go according to plan. Like that's a really important thing too, with experienced teams and why it makes it more challenging for an individual investor to do one-off and why a lot of people eventually turn around and say, I just want to invest with an experienced operator, um, especially now, especially with how competitive it is, because you're not going to get the calls, you're not going to get the deals, and you're not going to get the rates, which is going to make everything more expensive. Therefore, it's not going to be worth it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All the things. Well, uh, (laughs) and so you all have an amazing opportunity to help all these investors, $100 million worth get into $1.5 billion worth of commercial real estate. Hearing some of these numbers, like just three years ago, four years ago, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And now for some reason, it just seems like, oh yeah, was a hundred million bucks, (laughs) $1.5 billion worth of real estate. That sounds logical. Uh, But the more you get educated, the more you understand, you become more competent. And once you're more competent, you become more confident. And once you're more confident, you're going to move forward on the next deal or the next transaction, whether it's your first or your you know your 100th right? right this is really awesome well i wrote down a number of things and i don't think we're going to get to a bunch of them but what i did want to make sure we talked about is you wrote this pretty amazing book and that book i'd love for you to talk just a little bit before you go because what i understand it's like it's really using your intuition as a tool mm-hmm. and I heard early on, you know, in our conversation where you said, Well, I want to be a paleontologist and a marine biologist, but you know, you kind of realize, well, I need to go this way. Maybe that was some of the start of that intuition and then additional on, you know, crowdfunding and Yep. your fan base and the shareholder side of it. Yep. Tell us about your book. Tell us the title, what it's about and where to go get it. Tell us all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so the book is called Productive Intuition, Connecting to the Subtle. And I wrote this book after realizing... <laughs> also I was defrauded for like a quarter of a million dollars in a private placement. Oh my God. Before crowdfunding. Yeah. And my intuition was like, no, 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 no. But my mind was like, no, I really want this to work. And of course it didn't. And so that was like a huge giant lesson where that and many other things that happened, where I realized like when I don't listen to my intuition things, it's the times that things went horribly wrong. And then the times that I did listen to my intuition, like going into crowdfunding, like, like multiple other decisions that I've made where I just kind of followed sometimes my gut, sometimes my vision, you know, and this is why I wrote the book. Cause I was sitting there going like, is it a switch that I flip? Like, is it accidental? Like, how does this thing work? And so I wrote a book and I did a lot of research because I wanted to understand how does it work so I can use it instead of just tripping over it. And I was just kind of sick of saying like, I knew it, like, I knew I shouldn't have done this or mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't want to be regretful based on information I received and didn't take action on.
1: I was in tech, for- for a lot of years and I still (laughs) kick myself because I didn't invest in Facebook and I didn't invest in Pinterest and I didn't invest in any number of these tech startups that I was like literally in it, and I go, I'm gonna keep working hard. a uh-huh. good. Anyways, oh go
0: no, I get it. Oh, so yeah, that exactly. I met Uber in 2011, yeah. and I saw them. They showed me their app, and I was like, this is amazing. This is something. Mm-hmm. But I didn't follow up. I'm like, ah, I went on my own way. Like. Oh, yep. You know, um, and it's like, so I want to understand how it works so that I don't do that any- <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that'd be you know? awesome.
0: And so that's really what the book is about. So I kind of go through because there's so much science actually. Because I'm like really left brain, you know, it's like paleontologist. I'm like scientific. I'm like, how does it work? Because it's okay. not, it can't just be this woo woo thing, right? Yeah. I will yeah. not accept like blind faith belief that there's this thing that you get a voice and it tells you things it's actually in us and so it really is an exploration of how it works everything from the way the brain works and the subconscious mind to you know using our emotions as signals to the body cuz i've heard so many people especially in real estate say my gut my yeah. gut feeling my gut told yeah. me and i'm just, yeah. okay that yeah. you got, everyone's using it so let's everyone's talk about your
1: gut. it yeah, and, yeah. You're, and you're crushing it <laughs> Yeah. I walked away. You moved forward. What the heck happened? And you made millions. Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. And so you're not going to like, you know, it's not going to be a hundred percent, right. You're not going to bat whatever a sure. thousand. It's an really extra
1: true. tool, just like your performa yeah. and your analysis and a cap rate entry exit. Right. It's yeah. another tool. Okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, imagine like, and it also comes from our experience. So like you might walk into a property and you're going to be seeing it in, on so many different levels. Something inside of you might say, I don't know about this. And it doesn't mean that you just like walk away because you've got like, like a niggly feeling, what it does mean is that you notice it. Cause most of the times we don't notice, we just like dismiss it. But the, the important thing is like either got a gut feeling or that maybe even like the seller for whatever reason, just gives you a bad feeling. You're like, I don't know about this. He's hiding. something. Something's kind of shady. Something's going on. Yeah. So it's an invitation to just go deeper. And look into things, right? And then there's other times where you get like big lightning bulb moments that are something a little bit different, right? Like when you met David, there mm-hmm. was something there that said, This is something, and you guys yeah. took action on it. So, like yeah. that to me is part of living a life that we're using all the tools that we have yeah. and not always just our analytical brain because mm-hmm. it's not all we've
1: got. Yes. Okay. Sounds awesome. Well, I'm excited. I purchased the book and I got it on Amazon, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Where is it it for sale?
0: Yeah. Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's kind of everywhere. So So, yeah, if people want to learn more it's productiveintuition.com. And there's a little bio about me as well.
1: Uh, This is awesome. Well, thank you very much for allowing us to share. And where do anybody that wants to get in your world, invest, look, talk to Mm -hmm. you guys, whatever, where's the best place for them to reach out?
0: I think the best place for me is LinkedIn, actually. So you just like, you know, my name is unique enough that I'm like the only one. So just you're type in Adapia. Adapia. I'm the only Pia, definitely the only Adapia Dorico. So just plug that in there, DM me, let me know where you like found me, why you're reaching out and, and that way I can respond. That's the best place because then I'll, I can just take the conversation from there. And if you want to know more about Alpha Investing, it's alphai.com. So it's a pretty bare bones website. It's by design, which is why I, Like I always invite people to connect on LinkedIn.
1: Right on. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And is there anything we didn't talk about today? Anything you were hoping I asked, we just didn't get to something you want to bring some exposure to Um, something, something else?
0: I think we covered everything. I just really appreciate being able to come on here and have this conversation. And I hope that, you know, that people that listen, that they feel empowered to ask the questions and to like, don't take a risk for the sake of taking a risk. But like, if you've been wanting to invest or you want to know more, like reach out to somebody, like reach out to you, like reach out to me. Like this is such an amazing industry full of great people. So it's maybe just more encouragement to the listeners to say like, we're here for you. Yeah.
1: I feel the same. I thought the show was going to be a technical one out of here because of your <laughs> experience and the financial position and the analysis and all the things. And I'm like, no, nah, I feel really enlightened right now, <laughs> um, more excited, more motivated, a little bit more optimistic. And just, uh, I'm super happy we had a, a great conversation about yeah. what we did. So I'm excited. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, good. Well, all of our listeners, uh, we appreciate your support. And if you heard something that got you motivated today, inspired, uh, is bringing a little light to your world, go to our podcast, leave a review, a written review, rate us, and go reach out to autopia and tell her you heard us on the show. So I'd be blessed and look forward to connecting with you all. autopia thank you very much for your time.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Abel. All
1: right. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the five talents podcast with your host, myself, Abel Pacheco. Each week we're going to bring you interviews from industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. Before you leave, let me ask you a few questions. Did you enjoy this episode? Did you learn something valuable? Was your mind stretched to what's possible and what you can achieve do you want other experts just like the one you heard today? If you answered yes to any or all of those questions, then please take a moment to subscribe to the Five Talents Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. And most importantly, leave us a written review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us your favorite guests. Give us any feedback. I'm excited to learn and improve so you can get a more valuable show. So thank you again for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.